Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Hey, there y'all are. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Did you know today is Pentecost Sunday? Yeah. Are you aware that is the birthday of the church? That's whenever Christianity actually started? Or you just know about it like maybe being kind of weird? Pentecostals, you've heard about those people? You've heard about that? Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. I'm Nicole, and um, I'm really glad to be speaking with y'all. It's been a while. I think last time I spoke was in the Advent season, so it makes sense for me to speak on another holy day. Um, Here at City Beautiful, we speak quite often about the Holy Spirit, and we welcome his presence. We've been singing about him this morning. He is here with us, and he often, you know, we've we've done series about him and, and talked about him in different ways, but today, Since it's Pentecost, I really want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit and what he has to offer. And it might get a little windy in here. That's a preacher joke. I'm sorry. That's the last one. I don't know. It may not be. You'll you'll get that if you don't right now. You'll get that after I read some scripture here in a little bit. Um, There was like a mighty mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost. So anyway, but let's just go ahead and open up with prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I am so honored to be here this morning and be able to come together with the people of City Beautiful Church. I thank you that you are here with us. You guide us. You direct us, Lord. I ask that today that the words that come from my lips are the words that you want your people to hear, Lord. That your spirit overflows from me into your people in a way that they can have their faith built up, in a way that they can receive it, in a way that you are glorified, God. I thank you, Lord, and for all of these great things and so much more, we say amen. So, first off, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Holy Spirit is God. Here at City Beautiful, we often say that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Our study in Colossians says he is the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory for this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit is called quite a few different things in Scripture. The Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of truth. He's even referred to as the oil. That's a representation. The Holy Spirit, the comforter. Um, Kaylee was was praying and talking about the comforter. That's a, a name that I really love. And then the good old King James Version, the one that scares everybody, is the Holy Ghost. And uh, that's what I grew up knowing it. And I remember being a little kid and being like, the Holy Ghost, I, don't, I hope he's like Casper. Is he the friendly ghost? I really hope that's the case. But since our church comes from such a beautiful mix of diverse backgrounds, 
And because of that, we welcome more understanding, deeper knowledge and discussion of the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit and how he works not just in our lives, but also how he works in us at City Beautiful Church as a spirit-led church. I don't know if you've ever looked at our about our beliefs, but that's one of our things is we wanna be a spirit-led church because the Holy Spirit is God in you. That's the most important thing that I wanna start with is the Holy Spirit is God in you. And most of us have a small understanding of that. Okay, yeah, Holy Spirit is God in me. But if we could really get a grasp of that and understand what that means and what it can mean for us, we are baptized by the Spirit and we have the same Spirit inside of us that raised Jesus from the dead. Yeah. Think about that for a second. I just want you to meditate on that for a second. If we could grasp that, my word, how empowered would we be able to be as a church? How empowered would we be able to be as children of God? But honestly, people get stuck up on the weirdness that comes with the Holy Spirit. I've said this before in a sermon that I did a few years ago, or maybe, yeah, a few years ago, and that... It's God the Father, he's like the, the main one, Jesus the Son, the cool bro, you know, and then the Holy Spirit, the weird one. And people get so stuck on that. And in scripture, the Holy Spirit is likened to the wind. And if you think about it, the wind goes where it wants to, it blows things over, sometimes it can make things messy, there's no control over it. And honestly, it can be overpowering sometimes. But let's remember that people can also be a little weird. So sometimes things of the Holy Spirit can be a little strange, but a lot of times there are people that they were a little weird before they received the Holy Spirit baptism and they maintain being a little strange. So I grew up in a, a old time Pentecostal church and I have seen some interesting things. I have definitely seen some interesting things whenever it comes to the Holy Spirit, but I've also been touched in such wonderful, palpable, overpowering ways of the Holy Spirit working in my life. And he's just so much more than all of the things that I was talking about, the, the weirdness, all of that. And Pentecost today that we celebrate, it's not weird or scary. And even though for some of you that may have the only images you have whenever you hear the word Holy Spirit or Pentecost or Pentecostal or the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. But the word Pentecost, wait for it, it just means 50, five zero. It's 50 days after Passover and, or in our case and also the disciples case the day of the 50 days after the resurrection. It's also a Jewish harvest festival where it really comes from that represents the giving of the law whenever Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. And as he was coming down from Mount Sinai, if y'all remember, if you've read it before, all of the children of Israel were acting the fools. They were dancing around, acting crazy, worshiping a golden calf. And in that moment, um, God of the Old Testament decided to open up the ground and 
kill 3,000 of them because they were not worshiping him. And so, so maybe there is a little weird thread of the Pentecost Holy Spirit movement with God doing that. But today, I want to, to talk a little bit more about the Pentecost from the book of Acts and what that means to us as Christians. Because it's really where the church started. Like I said, happy birthday to the church. In um, a lot of places, people think it's, it's kind of strange that... Um, Honestly, the church universal doesn't celebrate Pentecost as one of the things like Easter or Christmas because it really is the birthday of the church. And so if we can better learn how to be the church when we study the original church, it'll be a really great step up in our life. And we try to do that here at City Beautiful. I know that we've had the original church, and right now we're, we're studying in Colossians, which is one of the, the OG churches whenever we look at it. And we've got many, many, many scriptures about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it can get a little mysterious. It can get a little messy. And we're going to go there today. We're going to dive in. Anybody? Anybody okay with that? Huh? Yeah. I felt, a, I felt like a little shift. I'm not sure how everyone's feeling. but So let's rewind 10 days from the day of Pentecost. And Jesus had been walking around and hanging out with people for 40 days. Scripture says that over 500 people had seen the risen Christ at that point. And the last thing that he says to them is Acts 1, 4 through 11. And by the way, I've got quite a bit of scripture today because I want you to be able to look at not just spirit, but also word. Because of my background, I have an experiential faith in the spirit, but also I want to be able to show you not just from my own experience in life, but where it is in the word and how that works. So Acts 1, 4 through 11. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons for which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Boom. He was gone. No, like, final goodbye. He had been prepping them a little bit. No hey, I'm going to see you later. They talked about that later. And my unofficial sermon title today is The Ghosted Gifts. Because what Jesus did right then, he ghosted everybody. He was like, bye, see you later. And I'm using that kind of in two different ways. Kind of funny, like, you know, I'm sure some people have been ghosted in here. I'm not going to ask which ones have, who has done the ghosting. Don't worry, I'm not going to have any of that. But I'm using it in two ways because he tells them about the Holy Ghost that is coming to them, and then he just pieces out. He gives them a mission. He tells them, go and wait, and just, they're getting ready to, you know, they're, they're listening intently, they're taking notes, and then he's gone, just like that. He's ghosted. And then there's gifts of the Holy Spirit that are so often misunderstood 
in the church, capital C Church Universal, that we as the capital C Church just often ghost on those gifts. And we pick and choose and decide which ones make us comfortable and which ones don't and which ones are useful for our life and which ones aren't. But Holy Spirit has a super long history from the beginning of the earth. And the Old Testament has lots and lots and lots of scriptures, but it wasn't really until Jesus came that the Holy Spirit descended and remained. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would often come and he would rest on someone or rest in a place to help them in a period of time to build something or to, to some battle or something like that. But it seems like anyway that a lot of people knew that the Spirit could depart from them. Um, the famous Psalm from King David, Psalms 51, he says, Oh Lord, don't take your spirit from me. He knows that he has sinned and it's this whole beautiful scripture and he's, he's asking the Lord for forgiveness and he says, don't take your spirit away from me. But whenever Jesus came and what happened at Pentecost, it made it where the Holy Spirit wasn't just coming and hanging out and resting and descending and going back and moving around. At that point, Jesus said, it's better for me to leave because I'm going to send you a helper. The Holy Spirit is coming to inhabit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to inhabit, not just to live in us whenever we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, but to then flow through us into the world. And now we have that withness of the Holy Spirit at our disposal and at our use. So going back to the disciples, they've all been with Jesus now for three years of his ministry. And whenever you really think about it, you know, it's, that's not that long. But they have seen the power of his presence. And they have experienced the power of his presence. But now it's time for them to experience the power of his absence. But he didn't leave. He didn't ghost on them, even though they may have felt that way. He just changed forms. But there were a lot of questions that were left unanswered for the disciples. You know, where did he go? What's next? But if we stop and think, in the absence of answers, faith is born. In the absence of answers, faith can be born. And in those 10 days between the time that Jesus ascended and the time that they were in the upper room waiting on this helper, this Holy Spirit that he said he was sending, their faith was just being built because they had no answers. You know, they, they were like, okay, what's next? Where are we doing? What, what's going on? They had nothing to cling to except for their faith at that time. Okay, let's go back to scripture. We're gonna go to Acts 2. That's what this whole day is about, is on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, 
and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are these not all those who, who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia. I'm not going to try to say those two words because I'm not really sure how to pronounce them. <laughs> Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one ever, what could this mean? And then there were others saying, they are full of new wine. Okay, they just drunk. Even back then, whenever the Holy Spirit first descended, people were perplexed. People were amazed. They were kind of intrigued, but then they started mocking them. And today it's kind of the same if we stop and think about it. With all of the gifts, but especially the gifts of tongues, because those are, that's the gift that is easily seen and heard. And right after this, what I just read, Peter, the same Peter who just a couple months ago had been denying Jesus, said he never knew him, the same Peter who honestly seemed pretty cowardice in a lot of ways, that same Peter Whenever the Holy Spirit came upon him and empowered him, he gives a sermon that's just like, whoa, okay? I don't have time to read his whole sermon, but I would really encourage you to go and read it, read it in a few different versions. And it's so amazing that that day, 3,000 people are baptized into salvation, they're baptized in water, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people. I just imagine like how long that must have taken to baptize 3,000 people. You know, it's like one person baptized the other and they turn to the other one and they just baptize it. But a really cool correlation too there, if you recall, um, I mentioned about the day that the law was given, that the ground opened up and 3,000 people were killed. Well, because God is perfect and a restorer of things, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the kingdom. And that's just a beautiful correlation. And I just love scripture because whenever you start studying it, you see things like that all throughout scripture. Um, he renewed all of those souls. Now, before I give you a rundown about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I really want to talk to you about what the Holy Spirit is not, because I think that's important as well. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a requirement for salvation. There are plenty of people and plenty of denominations that have said that, but we can see in John 3:16, in Ephesians 1:13, that the minute we say yes to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit does enter into our heart. Two. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a sign that you're uber holy or that you're like a super Christian, 
okay? It is a gift that God gives to us freely. And often, whenever people look at the baptism in the spirit as a sign of, look at me, uber Christian, that turns into legalism. Like, I'm better than you because I can prophesy. Or I'm better than you because I have this high faith. I'm better than you because I, I've prayed in tongues before. And I've seen that. Honestly, whenever I was little, that was a denomination that we were part of that it kind of was like, well, we're these Christians and these other Christians are these Christians, but we're in on the, the, the full deal. We understand it. And that is not what the Holy Spirit is at all. And so I'm not here to teach legalism. In fact, the law, which is a lot of legalism, the new covenant with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we don't have to live under the law of legalism anymore. Amen. And there's so many gifts and benefits of the Holy Spirit that we don't even talk about. The one most talked about has caused a lot of division in the church, the church universal. And there's no way that we can ignore scripture and no way that I can ignore my experience with all of these gifts that I'm about to talk about, especially prophecy and also tongues. I mean, honestly, I might even say, like Paul said, that I speak in tongues more than all y'all because it's something that's been cultivated in my life from a very, very young age. Growing up in a Pentecostal household, tongues and interpretation, praying in tongues, prophecy, miracles, healing, faith, all of that was pretty common. And that's why I think as an adult, I've sought out to learn more about the liturgical aspects of the church and the history of the church because I had so much spirit, but I wanted to learn more about the word because the spirit, as I mentioned, is kind of like the wind. And so in a sailboat, there's a, the wind that comes into the sails, but also on a sailboat, if you think about it, there's a rudder and that kind of directs and keeps things on path. And I look at the word, I look at scripture as our rudder whenever it comes to our life and walking in the Holy Spirit and living a life of the Holy Spirit. So here's a breakdown of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So all of these gifts come from the same spirit. And they made a big deal in scripture to reemphasize that because back then, as we've talked about, there was so many pagan things going on. There was a lot of spirits at play. So they wanted everyone to know this is coming from the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus. And there's nine total. And one way that's kind of a good way to remember these is they're the knowing gifts, the doing gifts, and then the saying gifts. And so the knowing gifts are word of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. That's both spirits that are demonic and also both spirits that are angelic. 
The doing gifts is the gift of faith, healing, and miracles. Those gifts always usually come together. And then the saying gifts is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. I'm going to say that one more time for you. Okay, so there's the knowing, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The doing, the faith, healing, and miracles gifts. And then the saying, which is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The four Gospels don't all have the exact same account or vanish point. Um, For instance, John has quite a lot more scenes and stories about Jesus in his early ministry. But I think it's called the Synoptic Gospels. And it comes from different viewpoints. But there are a few things that are all included in all of them. And that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But one more thing that's included in all of them is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's in every single gospel. And I'm going to make these notes available via Slack this week because there's some scripture that I would really love um, for you to kind of study more on your own. I'll, I'll tell you these right now where in the other Gospels, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is represented. Matthew 3.16, Mark 1.8, Luke 3.16, and John 1.33. If we as the church universally could recognize how important and what a big deal that it's the death, burial, resurrection, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is represented in all four of the Gospels, that's a big deal. And if we could get a a grasp of that, but let me restate this. I mentioned earlier that the gifts of the Spirit, how they work, when they work, if they work anymore, which ones work, if they should be practiced, should they not be practiced, are they corporate, are they private, that's called so much division. And sometimes I think that perhaps Satan has targeted the Holy Spirit to cause that division because it is so vital for us to have a deeper understanding of how the Holy Spirit can empower us and what he does in this world through us. Um, Maybe that's, you know, something that is the reason why there's so much division. But if we can call it out and look at it for what it is and say, this division that is caused in the church universal is from Satan, then maybe we can understand this is something we need to look at a little bit deeper, something we need to study a little bit deeper. Um, Because if Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like, of course, he didn't have to be born again. He was fully God, fully man, and he was born. But then he was baptized in water, and then right after that, he was baptized in the Spirit. If Jesus needed that to be anointed and to start his ministry, then don't you think we probably need it too? And a lot of us have left so much on the table about what God has given us. Maybe it's because we're a little fearful of it. Maybe it's because we've just never really realized that it was available. Um, Maybe we're worried about the fear of man and what man would think if you said, you know what, I think I have the, the gift of prophecy. I think that, you know, the Lord's put, revealed that to me. And wouldn't you want a gift that's already been paid for? If it's there for you 
and it helps you through life and guides your steps. And this question is more of an introspective question, but do you think you have fully accepted and surrendered to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Like I said, whenever you're baptized into salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in into your heart. But there's another baptism of the Spirit where you fully surrender every part of who you are, every part of your life to the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people are like, okay, listen, I've got the God thing. I totally understand the Jesus thing, but I don't even want to come close to any of that weird stuff. So I I think I'm okay. But it's important that we recognize we need to be open to all that God has available for us. And recall that Like I said, the Holy Spirit baptism is a separate experience from salvation. Of course, sometimes all of it happens at once, but throughout scripture, and this might might mess with some of y'all's theology, and that's all right, that's all right, I don't mind. But when we accept Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, but we also need to be filled and running over with the Holy Spirit. And it might happen at different times, and one perfect example is in Acts 9, whenever Paul has his salvation conversion moment on the road to Damascus. And then he goes a couple days later and he's baptized in water and it says he's baptized in the spirit. So that really shows that oftentimes this can be at different times. But when you believe you have the Holy Spirit, that's true. But my question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? Because whenever you're in a relationship with someone, it's like, okay, you might, y'all have each other's back, you, you know, everything like that. But my question is, have you let the Holy Spirit infiltrate every bit of your life? Or have you held back a little bit? We talk a lot about how we don't like to look at things as, sac- as sacred and secular. Everything is sacred whenever we are children of God. And so the Holy Spirit wants to be part of your life in every part of your life in every part of your heart. There's not a part of you that he doesn't wanna be a part of. But what usually happens is people hold back. It's not the Holy Spirit. He's there and ready. It's just we're not willing or we're scared or we're too prideful or any list of things. And the true test to say, does the Holy Spirit have you? And deep in your life, the proof, if you will, is the fruits of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is planted deep and fully in your life, the fruits start to show up. Because God is way, 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 way more concerned about what we do when we walk out of these doors than what we do whenever we're here in this room. And I would say, do you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life? If you don't see all of those things in your life, you have not fully surrendered to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. I know when I see less of these fruits in my life, like I'm, I'm getting a little ticked with people a little bit more easy, I'm, I'm you know, not wanting to have as much patience, stuff like that. I have to have a come to Jesus talk with myself and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what part I need to surrender to you. What part have I started holding back? 
And that's something that's, you know, I'm not saying that baptism happens over and over again, but that's something that we kind of have to check ourselves from time to time. Examine our heart and say, Holy Spirit, are your fruits showing? And if not, Lord, reveal to me what I'm holding back from you. Since it's Pentecost, I do want to speak a bit more about speaking in tongues. I felt like a a little shift in the room, like I heard a giggle over here. And then I I feel like some people were like, oh, Lord, she's going to talk about that one. (laughs) But at least there's at least a half a dozen theories um, on speaking in tongues. But ultimately, there are just two things at play here. In Acts 2, the language that is spoken by the disciples were unknown to them as they spoke but they were understood by others. But in other occurrences in Acts and other writings by Paul as well, where speaking in tongues is mentioned, there's nothing that states the language is understood or even identified. I'm gonna get, like I said, I'm gonna give you these notes so you can go back and kind of study them for yourself. But I'm gonna read a couple places um, where it talks about tongues and it doesn't say anyone else understood it. 1 Corinthians 13, this is one we kind of all know. Um, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, am I only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal? 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire all of the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue, they edify themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would really rather you prophesy. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but also I will sing with understanding. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 39 and 40. Therefore, brethren, that's a word we don't really use very often, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently in order. Paul's writings here are implying that there's a spirit-inspired language. It may not always be human. It might be heavenly. It might be angelic as a means of communication between the believer and God. The Bible says we are speaking out of mysteries. And the difference between the gift of tongues and the grace of tongues or a prayer language is the direction that it's going. From man to man or from man, woman, to God. And this, these scriptures that I just mentioned is where the idea of a prayer language has come from. And it's been used for years, but ultimately it's to explain something we can't really put our finger on. We can't really put into a, a nice little box that's perfect. N.T. Wright, I heard him recently on a podcast. He was asked about this. And he said, I pray in tongues daily. And that it strengthens him, it builds him up. But he doesn't really see much of a use in a corporate setting unless there's interpretation. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. However, I can attest from personal faith and experience that praying in the Spirit is a benefit that builds up and strengthens the believer. It builds up and strengthens the believer. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, Anyone who prays in a tongue edifies themselves. So some people are like, yeah, you shouldn't edify yourself. Edify just means 
like the, the root word of it means to build up or to fortify a house. You might say, well, Nicole, we're not a house, but if you kind of shift your vantage point, we are a temple. We're the temple of the living God. We're the home where the Holy Spirit lives. So praying in the Spirit can strengthen you, and I've, I've witnessed that. Now, I know that's a lot to take in today, and I'm kind of just touching a little bit here and there on a, a lot of different things. That's because I really hope that the Holy Spirit moves in your heart to, to have the faith to receive what I'm saying, but also take a deeper dive for yourself and study what's in Scripture. Study some of the different theories and ask the Holy Spirit to, to open your eyes. Earlier I said 1 Corinthians 12 makes it clear that the same spirit operates differently in us. Um, there are different kinds of gifts, but the spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, in everyone, is the same God at work. Now this is the important part. So, we should not judge how God is working in someone else, nor should we compare ourselves with others. The Holy Spirit works in us to serve God and others with our gifts, and the body of Christ, the church, benefits from us operating in diverse ways. Now, I know, because I've witnessed that in City Beautiful Church, that the working of the gifts of the Spirit are diverse, and I love that, because we want to be a Spirit-led church. And anyone who wants these gifts of the Holy Spirit to be present in their life as it's commanded in Acts 2.38, which is the big scriptures, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'd really ask you to search your heart this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to fully be activated in your life. Ask yourself introspectively, have I given over to the Holy Spirit? And if you haven't asked for salvation, perhaps you're in here this morning and you haven't asked for salvation, you can do that too. And I'm sure at some point this year, we're gonna have water baptism set up. I, I know that's something we do. <clears throat> this morning I'd ask in solidarity that everyone stand up. And as we pray, um, and get ready to close, I would like for us just to kind of stand in a position of surrender with our hands up like this. This is a faith thing. Everything that I've talked about today is a faith thing. It's not just a feeling thing. But as we pray today, you might feel something. You might not, that's okay. You might want to utter something quietly to the Lord in a way you may not understand, or you might have a new ability that you feel like you just wanna go witness to people, or today, whenever you're reading scripture, it might be illuminated to you in a new level. And all these manifestations are not required to receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they are very common. And I'm like, come on, Jesus. I want all you got for me. What is it? bring it on because I know he is a good father and he is a giver of good and perfect gifts. Regardless if you've been saved for 60 years or if you're new in your walk or maybe this morning you're like, you know, I've never really 
given my heart to Jesus. I would like for you to repeat after me some of these prayers. And also, it was funny because Kelly this morning said, man, we don't ever do an altar call. And I said, well, guess what? We're doing an altar call today. So if you feel like in your heart that you want to come up here and you want to kneel before the Lord and pray and ask to receive his full salvation, his full baptism, you're more than welcome to do that, okay? And I just want you to know that as someone who has grown up around all of the gifts of the Spirit and seen them at an early, early age, even preparing this sermon, I was overwhelmed because it's been so experiential for me that I'm like, Lord, like, it's hard to explain something. And that's why he directed me to just share so much scripture with you guys. And I'm gonna share, like I said, I'm gonna share this on Slack. And I just want you to know that whenever you surrender your life to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome in my heart. You are welcome in my mind. You're welcome in my job. You're welcome in my car. You're welcome everywhere that I go and I want you to be part of it. It will lead you into a higher level of understanding scripture. It'll lead you into a better relationship with people that you love. It will lead you into better mental health. These are things that I can promise you because of personal experience. These other things are from the Word of God. The things I'm saying right now are from personal experience. So let's just get in a position of receiving. Everyone just take a deep breath real quick. Move your shoulders, get comfortable with the Lord. Like I said, it doesn't matter if you've been saved 60 years or wherever you are. I just would like in solidarity for you to repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and I repent of my sins. I surrender my life completely to you and I ask that you cover me with your blood. to be fully active in my life. Give me the faith to open my heart to you. Give me the faith to walk into your will. I ask for your gifts, your good and perfect gifts, and I surrender. I give into your power. I give into your presence. I give into your love. And I give into your spirit. Now, all together, I would love for us to allow and pray.
say whatever it is you feel like the Lord wants to on your heart or whatever the Spirit is saying to you. If you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, pray softly to yourself. And let's just come together corporately and thank the Spirit for being here this morning and celebrate the Holy Spirit inside of us. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.